everybody. Thanks for joining us for the Empower Up podcast. I'm Jeremy Boren, Gray Matters brand manager. Quick reminder, you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. Our guest today, I'm really pleased to welcome, is Twin Thread partner and advisor Rick Bellotta. Rick, thanks for being on the podcast this morning. Good morning, Jeremy. Great to be here. Tell me about yourself a little bit. I, I was checking out your profile on LinkedIn a little bit. Where, where's the best mountain biking around Philly? <laughs> Pretty much everywhere. We're kind of blessed to have uh, some awesome trails all near my house. But, uh, you know, overall, I like to joke that, that uh, my my background is doing the, uh, the IoT long before it was cool. Like, uh, yeah. if you think about it, what we're doing today in industrial automation and data analytics, um, We've put a new name on it, industrial IoT, but ultimately it's sort of a continuum of all the stuff that uh, we've collectively been doing in manufacturing for a long, long time. So why do you love this space? I mean, you've had a lot of success, uh, you know, already with with companies you started like Lighthammer and and ThingWorks. So like what keeps you coming back and motivated (laughs) and looking for new things and being an advisor and partner, you know, to companies in, in IoT? Great question. I mean, I, li- I like to consider myself and I encourage everyone to be a lifelong learner. Um, we're never too old to learn something new, whether it's a new technology, new way to do things. Um, and for me, uh, the whole area around AI and machine learning um, is an area that's intrigued me quite a bit. So when the opportunity presented itself to, um, uh, you know, to help twin thread out, I jumped on it in a second. And a lot of the work I've done on, on kind of the advisory side with some startups have been in that domain. Um, everything from robot, advanced robotics to uh, some uh, drone and UAV stuff. So this is sort of a natural progression, an area uh, I'm not only intrigued by, but um, uh, I'm obviously impressed both uh, from my point of view as an advisor investor in TwinThread, but now part of the team on uh, some of the unique stuff we're doing there. How did you kind of first get involved um, with the with the team at TwinThread? That's an excellent question. I'll have to <laughs> go into the way back machine. A long history to it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've, I've known Eric uh, for, for a long time. We've actually never had the opportunity to work directly together prior, but, uh, you know, a, a similar career path. He's had some very successful companies over the years, um, as, as you're well aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of ran in the same circles. Um, I learned a bit about TwinThread and, uh, you know, what they were what they were doing in the industrial analytics space, which uh, I kind of felt was like the next wave of how we figure out how to um, monetize and bring value to the IoT. So got chatting with them and uh, they were in the process of raising a seed round. Um, and, uh, you know, so got involved initially as an investor and then joined the advisory board. And uh, most recently, just in fact, just a few weeks ago, uh, I joined the team on a part-time basis, uh, you know, to help out on, on product and overall strategy. Right. Yeah, and one of the ways I've heard kind of the evolution of TwinThread described in, in Eric's background is, you know, he, he set up these huge data centers for for GE. That's, that's one of the successful things he's he's done in the past, you know, but he was looking for a way that, you know, if you're a company that doesn't have $200 million to spend on a data center, how can you have some of those same powerful data analytics tools at your disposable at your disposal in kind of an out of the box, you know, fashion. And I just thought that's that's kind of a cool way to think about it um, for companies. And I was wondering, did that appeal to you as well? And is that an achievable thing? 
Well, there's, it's, it's interesting because you kind of have to work it from both sides. Um, if you think about pure data, right, the volumes of data that we've been generating for at least 30 years now in the industrial sector, kind of from the dawn of uh, the first first time we, we jacked into a PLC or a sensor and started saving it, we started the, you know, kind of the snowball rolling down the hill of uh, collecting massive, massive amounts of data. So there's um, that data typically exists today. I mean, there are rare cases where we're still instrumenting, adding new instrumentation. Um, certain industries, uh, for example, the discrete industries, been a little bit late to the game. Uh, but long story short, there's there's no shortage of, of raw data. So a lot of the focus has been um, uh, visualization, you know, other use of kind of real time, using it for decision support, not so much for kind of these groundbreaking insights. and. And then close in the loop with, you know, AI and ML for, um, in essence, an intelligent operation center. Mm -hmm. So um, the other side of it is, you know, by partnering with comp with uh, companies like Microsoft on the Azure side for cloud capacity, we don't need to be in the business. Our customers don't need to be in the business of building all that, you know, that infrastructure. So like just cloud infrastructure itself has obviously taken the bar down quite a bit. But there, I think the misunderstanding is that we, um, particularly for those outside of the industrial space, is that this is all new data we're collecting. In many cases, it's supplementing data that's uh, you know that's already been um, collected somewhere, maybe not in the right context, maybe not in the right shape, maybe not um, able to join with all the other sources of data we have about an asset or a process or a facility or whatever. Um, so there's clearly still a lot of work to be done, but no shortage of raw data. Right. And, and like you're saying, you're just finding new ways to exploit it, you know, whether it's figuring out how to better control the quality, you know, of a product, how to better manage, you know, energy consumption and output. I mean, there's a lot of different applications for it, you know, that I think people don't necessarily think about right away. Um, you know, what are some of the ones that, you know, kind of get you excited that, you know, just examples out there? I, I think the simplest way to describe it is there's three big chunks of insights that we can, we can, you know, glean from this data. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just data either. It's, or I guess the, I guess the, uh, another uh, kind of mythology is that it's all about um, just asset data. It's actually data from processes as well, right? Whether they're human processes, whether they're automated processes, it's data from other systems that might be relevant to what's going on in the um, with with an asset, weather, uh, maintenance information. You know what was what else was the ambient uh, conditions at the time. Point being that it's it's um, it's kind of this connecting all the streams uh, to to get something interesting out of it. But the three kinds of insights are are the offline kind of eureka moment where you're looking at a huge population of data doing some dicing and slicing, some, some classification analysis, some other kind of tasks around that, and all of a sudden something jumps out to you. Hey, look, every, um, every pump where we, we, uh, when we run it more than 12 hours a day and the, the, uh, the seals were sourced from this particular supplier, we've got four times the failure rate. So that's kind of that offline, um, look at, looking at these, um, these, these massive streams of information Finding that kind of needle in the haystack, or as we like to joke, sometimes sometimes if all you know it, it tells you is what haystack to look into, that's kind of helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So moving from that, then you go more to the kind of predictive types of things where you're going to be able to um, head off issues before they happen, whether it's a, as you point out, a quality or process issue, whether it's an equipment failure, um, you know, some type of anomalous uh, or, un, you know, unexpected outcome. Uh, if I can get some advanced notification that awesome, all the better. Um, and then the third wave is kind of that uh, prescriptive, where once we can categorize how assets and processes work, you can kind of invert the thinking and say, all right, what types of operating conditions can I control to create some specific outcome, maximizing throughput or quality or ener minimizing energy or whatever that case might be. Um, now we've moved into both with predictive and prescriptive, more forward-looking or kind of operational things as opposed to uh, more a uh, Kind of offline and if you really think about it there's a lot of um i think that we've come full circle in a way on how we're, we're viewing ai in the industrial space in that it's not you know there's this 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 belief that it's displacing people and so on i like to think of it as how can we give human superpowers with technologies like this right so um it's it's many cases um humans are the sensors, they're the algorithm, and they're the actuators and processes. Well, now we're saying, well, where can we bring machines in to um, take on some of those roles? And in a great many of them, the human still the actuator, takes that insight that something like TwinThread would generate and takes some action on it. We're, we're moving towards completely closing the loop. The platform is 100% capable of that. Just operationally, I, I think a lot of what we're doing today is just augmenting what humans can do with uh, with this type of technology. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think one of the way, ways that you really see that is you mentioned earlier dashboarding and visualizations. And to me, that's one of the real connection points for, you know, people who are on a plant floor. You know, that's a way for them to get those superpowers is, you know, they've got this really rich, valuable information right in front of their eyes or at their fingertips that they've never had before, and sure. they can actually act on it, you know, and it's being operationalized so they can, they can do something to tweak production in time to, to really make a difference and to, you know, to meet a goal or whatever it is. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's kind of a cool way that I think it just, it really comes up, you know, in, into reality. And, and honestly, that's most of my background, whether from uh, Wonderware days or Lighthammer and ThingWorks, um, is, is all about that visualization. I think the difference is we've always had some type of, we've, we've had 10 visualization uh, tools, right? You've had, but they're all disjoint. There's no context. They're not actionable. So I think what's what's changed over time is you don't need to go to you know 10 different systems to, to get kind of a unified view of what's going on. Things like the digital twin built into the the twin thread platform gives us a um, a way to organize, curate, um, control access to, but structure all of those streams of information and all the equipment capabilities into its digital representation, and then have that you know that common visualization layer um, independent of where that data may come from. Because again, in, in some cases, that data is coming from other systems, not just uh, the assets themselves. And with, uh, with TwinThread, we give that 360 view. Um, the other thing that we found over the years is that it's, it's just knocking, it's not just knocking down data silos, it's knocking down organizational silos. 
So, so now the quality people can have, you know, visibility to data about uh, equipment and parts and whatever, and, and, you know, vice versa, that you know, more eyeballs looking at the problem generally leads to a better outcome. So that uh, it's now that kind of cross-functional. And then in the kind of IOT era, or more, more specifically as value chains become more extended and, and virtual, um, now the people that are getting value from that data often are um, outside of your company, upstream and downstream in your value chain, your customers, the people that service the equipment, um, you know, end users, all those kinds of things. So it's no longer just these little point solutions that one department leveraged, that data is being uh, you know, surfaced to bring value to a lot more people. Of course, there's issues with that, right? Now you bring um, the, the data sovereignty, data security, things that we baked into the, the twin thread platform, those are kind of necessary table stakes when you start um, sharing information outside of your, you know, your four walls. Sure, and it's it's something that you know even even leadership at a company who who may have never really gotten into the nitty gritty of something before, you know, this makes it palatable for them uh, to think about, right? <laughs> You'd be shocked how many yeah. plant managers, uh, operations executives, um, with the first time they gain real visibility into what's going on, uh, how many times that initial response or the visceral response is that can't be true. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Yes, it, and and generally they're unpleasant surprises. They're, occasionally they're uh, they're not, but um, it's again it's that that visibility that you might not have had before. But that's all. And, and visibility is useful, but visibility without insight and action uh, is is still just you're, you're missing out on a lot of the value. And that's I think where the, um, the, the this wave of applying advanced analytics, uh, the, the twin model the concept of threads to make things actionable. Those are, um, uh, those are the real amp value amplifiers, kind of the 10 Xers for what you can do with this stuff. Right, and, and they're unpleasant surprises, but that's also really exciting, you know, once you get past the initial maybe awakening there, because, you know, a, a process that you thought was bulletproof, you realized this opportunity to, to improve, you know, on a substantial level and you can take that back and figure out how you're going to go about it. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it works actually interestingly in both directions, right? Um, I'll, without geeking out too much, I mean, lost yeah. opportunity, opportunity is an integral function, meaning it's a, a, a effect of time and it's effect of kind of a severity of the, the goodness of the opportunity or the severity of the problem. And in general, problems get worse over time. And in general, opportunities dwindle over time. Obviously, there's exceptions. But when you take that into account and you think about like the area under the curve, what that means is the sooner you head off, you, you can react and respond to problems. Um, it's a substantial difference in the kind of impact on the business. Similarly, the sooner you can start capturing an opportunity before it starts to degrade or go away, the better. So um, an element that I think is hugely underappreciated is time. How quickly can you deploy this stuff? How quickly can you get insights? And we've had customers uh, you know, with applying the twin thread platform literally get in insights in days. I mean, it's not, um, it's, it's not uh, just a pipe dream anymore. It's, it's very doable. And, and those are the kinds of things that I think are gonna be hugely differentiating for our approach to the problem. But generically, 
you know, time to value and time to insight, and then the ability to close the loop and take action upon that. As I said earlier, I think those are the real kind of multipliers and amplifiers for, for applying it. Because let's be straight, there's, you know, there's dozens, if not hundreds of companies that would call themselves industrial IoT analytics spaces or in the IoT analytics space, and they all got very, you know, distinct and different approaches to the problem, some highly verticalized, some highly data science and, and services focused, some uh, you know, very, very horizontal focused on visualization. There is no kind of single, the, the whole space is kind of amorphous now. Um, and we're trying to focus on, I think, the things that we believe we do uniquely, and more importantly, the things that we believe uh, bring our customers uh, big value fast. And so one of those is the, the fast time to value, right? I mean, how do you, how do you achieve something like that as a differentiator? Interestingly, it starts, I think, with the, the team itself, uh, meaning the team's deep experience in, in the domains that we're trying to tackle. Um, you know, ultimately, software is just bottled up uh, know-how, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's all it is. Um, and, you know, enabling, uh, taking knowledge and best practices and, and, and you know, new pro perhaps new processes and putting them in bits um, so the team's experience in in that world across the whole you know spectrum of our team um, is a great foundation to build that upon. Then uh, just the platform itself's recognition that data comes in many forms from many places, going in with the from the get-go that we need ubiquitous connectivity to lots of different sources. We need to be able to bring that into a, a coherent digital twin model so we can, um, do something useful with it. You know, those are kind of the, I call them the the, you know, the, the blocking the the basic uh, the the basic table stakes in a platform like ours. And I think we've done a, a phenomenal job um, enabling non-technical people to uh, to build those models to um, to get access with it through our connectors to the data sources they need to. And we've opened it up so that others can build connectors to their data sources. There's a lot of one-off, you probably know, there's a lot of one-off mm -hmm. stuff or proprietary stuff out there. Um, and secondly, then moving, you know, moving the, um, the discussion up out of Python code. Now, don't get me wrong, we have a lot of ways to bring value to pure data scientists as well. The access to data, the coherent twin model, um, the ability to access curated uh, data sets, for, for their analytics is a huge plus, but we're also catering to the, the uh, you know, the less technical user uh, who just wants to um, not have to understand all of the gory details of you know, neural net and machine learning algorithms and so on. Uh, I've, I've used this term, you know, in the past, but uh, it certainly applies to twin thread is this concept of let's make the easy stuff easy and the hard stuff possible. Mm -hmm. I like, yeah. That's a good summary. <laughs> so I, I think one hang up, you know, sometimes for, for companies, you know, who are, who are headed into a, a data analytics project is, you know, sharing that data on the cloud. You mentioned Microsoft Azure before. W what can you say to allay those concerns or just, you know, sort of explain why it's necessary to, you know, create a successful data analytics solution? Well, it's sort of the, the classic cloud versus uh, on-prem argument or mm -hmm. cloud versus my own data. Well, well it's not as secure. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's exposing ourselves to cyber risk. 
reality is the infrastructure that the cloud providers have in place and the um, the way they manage that infrastructure is is going to be many times more secure than your your in-house team will typically be able to do and it's constantly being updated and constantly under surveillance for you know cyber threats and so on um, you know you see you've seen big 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 macro trends now where even uh, military applications, critical governmental and intelligence applications are being moved to this infrastructure. I think that speaks volumes about, you know, what those concerns are. Um, there are obviously our world's unique because um, the data sources often reside uh, it, behind the firewall, right? So that's the other thing that, uh, that we've recognized is we need to be able to not only have that data secure uh, and the, the visualization access to it secure, and we have you know, very flexible uh, role and group and organizational kind of uh, uh, management of, of permissions and so on. But getting that information securely um, from the uh, you know from the remote locations, whether it's a single piece of equipment, uh, you know, out in a in a uh, uh, oil and gas extraction location, or whether it's a factory with you know thousands and thousands of sensors and processes firing away. Uh, being able to get that information up to the cloud and not expose um, additional attack surface is also important. And we bake that into our connector infrastructure. Are, are there other, you know, hesitations that you encounter, uh, you know, when, when you're talking to folks about, you know, going forward with a, a data analytics um, project? I, th uh, yeah, I, th I don't think it's any different than any, any uh, general challenges with digital transformation tips mm -hmm. in, in that, you need commitment. <laughs> you need yep. um, you need a, a resolve to uh, you know, get access to all the data that you open it you know, open knock down some boundaries in your company that might not have been knocked down before. So often it's a people and organizational thing. Who had you know we're introducing parts of our customers' companies that might not have worked well together or worked with each other in the past. Um, then the other challenge, I guess, with something that's is just as much an insight platform as a as a operational performance platform, is you often don't know exactly what the uh, what the outcome is going to be. That it's almost the journey itself um, you need to commit to, and uh, I guess that's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus side, we're accumulating such an amazing set of customer stories and RI stories um, that in enough industries that anecdotally it's becoming quite obvious that, the, that there's very, very substantial value to be obtained. So I guess at this stage, you're, you're both trying to convince folks, um, you know, there's value in going down this path. The reality is that's the other nice thing about subscription-based services. Uh, you, you have the, the, the luxury and opportunity to try um, thankfully, uh, you know, the, the most, most, if not all of our customers are finding enough value that they continue and expand their deployments. But um, it's not like you're making that massive perpetual license investment. So these aren't, uh, you know, $2 million, $5 million, big bang, $50 million projects. You can take it in bite sizes. You can attack some particular operational performance area that's been been bugging you. You can use it as a, a quick insight gathering platform to, to kind of assess where you're at, and then focus perhaps your uh, your subsequent implementations on the areas that you saw opportunity. Uh, but that ability to incrementally deploy, 
the ability to repurpose the data you already have, all of those things I think make, and, and of course the time element, the, the ability to deliver results faster that Twin Thread brings, makes a pretty compelling story for customers to make that investment. Yeah, especially considering, you know, the dollars invested in the type of you know, infrastructure we're talking about, um, you know, analyzing with Twin Thread. I mean, if you're talking about a, a furnace for metal forging, that's, you know, multi, multi-million dollar piece of uh, machinery, you know, and, and using this as a tool, I mean, the investment just, it can't compare to, to you know, keeping that operational to, you know, preventing a maintenance issue from becoming worse. Right. And even go back to those three chunks, right? You've got the eureka moment from the offline insights. Sometimes those yield multi-million dollar savings opportunities. The predictive aspect is kind of the, I guess we'll call it the continuous improvement side of it. You're being able to react in advance. Um, and then the prescriptive says, all right, once we've figured out, we've used all these learnings and insights online and offline to uh, determine our new baseline best practice, how do we operationalize that? How do we make sure that's the norm? And so they all kind of play on each other, uh, but the, the good news is at every stage, you're extracting value. And I think that's the importance. Absolutely. Rick, I really want to thank you for coming on the Empower Up podcast today. Uh, enjoyed uh, chatting with you and having you as a guest. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for the Empower Up podcast. As a reminder, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. You can also find us online at graymattersystems.com, where we have all of our online events for April listed, including a four-part series on cybersecurity for operational technology. It's led by our cyber lead, Scott Christensen. Check it out and register. And also at the end of the month on April 30th, we have Gray Matters Leadership Conference Accelerate 2020 coming up. So check that out as well and register today.